so today in the current begins a new sermon series that we're entitled we're entitling it's not about me in which we're going to go through the wesley covenant prayer something that may or may not be familiar to you to start out with but over the series we hope that it is something that does become familiar and meaningful to you So to start off this morning, something that you may or may not know about me. So during all four years of high school and even one year in college, I was a proud member of the National FFA Association. Yes, yes. So I grew up on a farm, so it was only natural that I was an ag kid. So I served as secretary and president of my chapter and even did a stint as a state officer back in Kentucky. So I bring all this up, not just to reminisce on the old days, but because I remember something that we did that was interesting at each and every one of our official chapter meetings. So we did this thing, and if you were an FFA member or if you've ever been to a meeting, you have seen this whole thing play out. We did a thing we called opening ceremonies. So for lack of a better word, we went through this script at the beginning of every meeting. And so at every single meeting, whoever was the president would ask this same question. FFA members, why are we here? And so in response, every single FFA member in the room would stand up and say, with great gusto, to practice brotherhood, honor agricultural opportunities and responsibilities, and develop those qualities of leadership which an FFA member should possess. Now, did I naturally remember that after 10 years, plus years? No. I had to look it up. I am sorry if any of my former FFA leaders happened to capture this sermon online. No, I did not naturally remember it. But anyway, how does all of this relate to church? Why do I bring this up this morning? Well, folks of our lovely, wonderful, beautiful current service, Why are we here? Why are we here? Do we stop and ask ourselves that question enough? What is the Christian faith all about? So is all of this about us? Is it about what we get when we come to worship? Is it about what we get from practicing this life and practicing our faith? Is it about what God gives to us? Or is it about something bigger? Is it about something more? So there are a lot of different ways we as Christians try to answer this question. A lot of different ways we try to get into the why of the Christian faith and stay focused on it. But as we're going through this series entitled, It's Not About Me, we're exploring an option called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. So this prayer comes from uh, Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, and he created it as part of a larger Wesley Covenant Renewal service. So in his day and time, people found it to be a powerful way that they were re-energized in their faith. 
So it helped people connect on a deeper level with God. It helped them find authenticity in their faith, direction in their faith, and purpose in their faith. So deeper faith, authenticity, purpose, and direction. Those all sound like great things. Like who wouldn't want that, right? So as we're starting to explore this in the sermon series, we're going to start by exploring a passage in the book of Exodus, one that may be familiar to you if you have grown up or been around church for a while. It's the story of the golden bull calf, which was an idol. So I'll be reading out of Exodus chapter 32, starting in verse 1. The people saw that Moses was taking a long time to come down from the mountain. So they gathered around Aaron and said to him, come on, Moses, make us, sorry, come on, make us gods who can lead us. For this man, Moses, who brought us up out of land of Egypt, we don't have a clue what has happened to him. Aaron said to them, all right, take the gold rings from out of the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took all the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He collected them and tied them up in a cloth. He made a metal image of a bull calf. And the people declared, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So when the people... When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in the front of the calf. Then Aaron announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. They got up early the next day and offered entirely burned offerings and brought well-being sacrifices. The people sat down to eat and drink and then got up to celebrate. So where does this come in scripture? Well, this comes in the book of Exodus after the Israelites have been brought out of Egypt, after they have been rescued from slavery. So they have seen God work so many miracles. They have seen so many amazing things. Moses goes away for a little while. He is up on a mountain with God receiving the Ten Commandments. Pretty important and pivotal stuff in the story of the Hebrew Bible, if you ask me. And yet... Despite everything they have seen, despite everything they have experienced, in the course of human events, they grow impatient. They begin looking to Aaron, who is Moses' brother, for answers. I mean, he was the guy who was designated to be in charge in the stopgap while Moses was away, after all. And in their impatience, they start looking for a tangible God that they can hold on to. And they pester Aaron about it. They feel like they must create God in their own image. And so, they do. They literally take their own possessions, which is interesting. The gold that we're talking about here was the gold that they received from the Egyptians on their way out of town. That was what they got. The literal signs of their deliverance were what they used to make this idol. And they melted it down to make this golden calf to be a representation of God in their own image. All of this became a shift away from the covenant that God had called them to. The Israelites shifted their focus from what God was calling them to do with their life, what God was calling them to do in their faith, to instead what they needed from God, what their faith got them from God. 
they needed to touch and see an image right here and right now, just like their neighboring religions got to, so they made one in their own image. They took God, and they tried to shove God down into a box, into a golden calf of their own design and of their own making. And so, of course, we can think that, well, this story is just for those people a long time ago, and it's not something we would ever do. I mean, it's easy for us to do think when we're reading through the narrative and we see, we can flip just a few pages back and see, look at all those miracles that happened just there out of the context of the exodus of Egypt. But if we take that kind of attitude, I think we're giving ourselves too much credit. We're, and we're giving the Israelites too hard of a time here because are we really that different? In the grand scheme of things, isn't this a trap that we could be privy to fall into too? So we're loosely basing this series on the book One Faithful Promise by pastor and author McGray DeVega. And so he calls this idea of shoving God down into a box, making God into an image of our own design, He calls it in modern day terms, vending machine theology. I really like that. Vending machine theology. Because it's the idea that if we just put the right things into our faith, if we put in the right prayers, if we put in the right intentions, if we say the right liturgy, if we sing the right songs, then God's going to spit out exactly what we want. Like a vending machine. And so for extra credit, friends, I'm going to teach you a little theological word that I learned from McGray as well from this book. Moralistic therapeutic deism. So say it back with me and you'll have learned something new today. Moralistic therapeutic deism. So this is the idea that if I am moral, then my deity, God, will give me exactly what I need. Therapeutic. And so while all of this sounds tempting, it's not the way that God works. It's not the life that God has called us to. Because the reality is God has called us to something bigger and something better. When John Wesley was talking about the covenant renewal service, he actually called it an adventure In fact, when he was kind of putting out advertisements for this covenant renewal service, he invited folks by saying, adventure yourself with Christ. So God calls us on this lifelong adventure with Christ, not to do what we should to get what we want. This adventure calls us to be stretched and grown in ways that we cannot expect or imagine. And this adventure calls us to partner with God, to engage with God's people, all for the sake of God's world. So the Israelites do find themselves back in that place of adventuring with God along God's path, eventually. So the book of Exodus ends with this beautiful high point of the Israelites creating this grand dwelling for God to dwell in all as a community unified together after they get past this serious bump in the road. But the ups and downs of the Israelites as reflected in the Hebrew Bible, it can reflect our struggles too. Our pull between this tempting vending machine theology And God's call for us to humbly adventure ourselves with Christ. Letting God take the lead. That tension is real. 
We all feel it. And so we have to recenter ourselves on the answer to that question. Why are we here? We have to recenter ourselves on the answer to why our faith matters. As we're going to explore in this series, we have to recenter ourselves on the fact that it's not about me. How could our lives and our faith and this adventure change if we moved from it being about what I get to a mindset about that Christ is calling me to adventure out? It's not about me, but it's about God. Because we can imagine what a life of making it all about me is like. The vending machine theology, looking to get something from God, the church, or spiritual practices, or even others. It's focused on, it isn't focused on serving or understanding others around us. It seems very hollow. But what about that life of adventuring with Christ? What about truly living into the call of the Wesley Covenant prayer, which begins with that phrase, I am no longer my own, but thine. What would that look like? And so I know you may be thinking that that's a tall task. You may be thinking, well, to say yes to this, that means doing something crazy, like being the next Mother Teresa or answering the call to be a pastor or a church staff person. But honestly... I have seen this over and over again in the lives of people doing things that are simple but really powerful. So I saw in the life of Bobby, who was one of my faithful volunteers at Hyde Park, I remember when I first met him, he had told us point blank that he wasn't so sure about any of this faith stuff. And we only saw him on the very rare occasion in church with his wife. But over the course of time, something changed. It all just clicked with him and he began adventuring with God. He turned into someone who was passionate and generous about adventuring with God. He used his resources and his knowledge of financial health in our small group ministries to help transform the lives of others. He gave generously of his time and his talents and his resources all to help others. All out of this idea with adventuring with God, all seeking to serve others as best as he could. And so this focus on adventuring with God, a focus on making church not about us, but about God. I see it honestly at the crux of so many of our ministries here as a church. I think about the ways that we opened up our doors to students in our neighborhood. First through what we called the sandwich club once a week. And now is full-blown neighborhood ministries five days a week. That was out of a place of determining that this building is not just for us. But it's for our community too. We stand in a place where we work in partnership, not in competition with other area United Methodist churches, supporting connectional ministries, working with sister churches like Shepherd's Community, United Methodist, Hearst Chapel, AME. We see and acknowledge and care about area issues. We try to bring about real change with things like Polk County Peace, Florida Advocacy Days, and more. And this is just scratching the surface of what we do here as a church. 
Because we can see the shift. We can see the difference. We can see that life is so much different and so much better and so much richer when we don't shove God down into that box. When we don't smush down God into our own little image. When we don't try to practice vending machine theology. When we don't try to put in a good list of moral to-dos to get what we want out of God. But when we open ourselves up to what would it look like to instead adventure with God and let God take the lead. Well, that can grow into more than we can imagine. Friends, we can grow into more than we can imagine. So I invite us now, as we are closing our sermon, let us take the opportunity to pray the words of the Wesley Covenant Prayer together. So they are going to be on our screen. They are the next couple of slides for my friends in the back um, doing our tech that I have. And so you are also going to be getting these on prayer cards um, at communion. So... um, For you as well. So I hope that you will take these and you will take the opportunity to pray this, not only this week, but all the way throughout this series for this prayer to be meaningful for you as well. So friends, let us join in this together. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me employ by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And amen. So friends, as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear this benediction. May you know that God's love, it's not just something for you. We don't practice vending machine theology. But we are adventuring with God. We are known by God. We are loved by God. So may we be open to share God's love with the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.